Imagine knowing exactly what your students are learning and exactly which steps you need to take next. Join us in Down With The Reading Quiz to craft meaningful and productive formative assessments that move away from gotcha moments of basic recall and toward assessing what your students actually can do. In this 30-minute free masterclass, we'll share three powerful assessment keys that work for any novel at any time of the year. Head to shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to sign up, and we'll also send you a free workbook to keep track of all your notes. Once again, that's shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to nail formative assessments forever. Well, hello, and welcome back to Brave New Teaching. Hello, my friend, Amanda. Hello, Marie. Hello, listeners. So we are here today to talk about something that is going to make your life easier, like full stop. It is going to make your life easier, especially when you get a handle on some tools that can really help make it happen. And we are excited because we're talking about batch planning. Batch planning is something I think that's even gotten a little trendy in terms of like- A little bit. Routines at home and like- batching your laundry and like other things like this, but that, and it's not, it's not for everybody, but we haven't yet talked about it on the podcast. We have not. And we don't necessarily use batch planning for all of the parts of our classroom functions, but where we do use it, and especially what we're going to talk about today for like formative assessments, we've got some really good arguments for how and why you should use batch planning, especially for your assessments. And seriously, like it has revolutionized a lot of the me being able to stay on track with things in my class. And I don't get too off track too often, but when I do get off track, I prefer Dos Equis. No, just kidding. Like when I do get off track, <laughs> that was easy. Low like, hanging fruit. I get like way deserted island off track <laughs> if I lose sight of the end goal. <laughs> I'm gone. And there's it's very hard for me to get back to it. So like batch planning assessments is the way to go for me. And it has helped me stay more sane, especially for these like big conceptual essential questions that I've got driving my curriculum. Like it really is the best way to do things. Obviously we've got a whole podcast and like, you know, a whole course and all of these things based around inquiry driven curriculum, but it's easy sometimes to get a little bit like into it. <laughs> Just okay. lost. So for me, I think that what the the batch planning when I finally figured it out was exactly what I needed to figure out how to backwards plan, but also forwards plan at the same time. Because I right. feel like backwards planning is right. It's also the design is is back and forth. It's really back and forth planning. <laughs> but you you yeah. have to know what's at the end. But when I remember when I first started teaching, I was planning. Day one, day two, day three, day four, day five. And they were all different lessons, which is fine. But when I finally started batch planning, things just totally took a whole, like they they just took off. They were so much easier. The cohesive feel is what, yes. And that's like batch planning different pieces of my curriculum is the only way for it to feel cohesive. Otherwise, I'm going to have all these best lead plans that are just never going to come to fruition. It's just not going to happen. So, and for those of you who are sitting there going, are you ever going to define the word or are you just going to keep saying the word? Yes, we're going to define the word, I promise. But first, we need to do a little something. And that little something is called, cue the music. 
You're listening to Brave New Teaching, and we are so much more than a podcast. We give teachers the inspiration, support, and tools to challenge the status quo. I'm Amanda, and I'm a former English teacher from Illinois. And I'm Marie, and I'm a teacher from Southern California. Join us at bravenewteaching.com to find out more about our courses, festivals, and get every episode's show notes. We're so glad you're here. Enjoy the show. thing that people like to do where you define the word by saying the word over and over again. And let's actually decide to define what is batch planning. So the way that I look at, I mean, batch, it sounds exactly like what it is. It's where you do something in a large group, basically like make a big pot of whatever it is. So if we're going to be batch planning our curriculum, we're going to do all the gateway activities or, you know, like for the year all together, we're going to do all of, and we're going to talk about more today, all of the formative assessments for a unit at the same time in one big batch. We're meal prepping our school year. We're meal prepping our school year, but not just meal prepping. Like we're doing all the breakfasts at once Uh instead of, yes, like Uh a big batch of whatever. And then we're freezing them. (laughs) Yeah. That's exactly what's happening. We're, We're selecting a single lesson type. Yep. Either within a unit or across units, depending on the type and creating it in one sitting or one series of sittings where that is the entire focus and not the other things. And I think what prevented me from doing this in the past was for whatever, I don't know, for whatever reason, I feel like we are raised through our education system with so many linear types of thought processes. Like even I I remember how long it took, it took me years to finally get a good answer from someone like, why do we teach American lit in chronological order? And the answer was because social studies does. I said, well, I mean, I know life happens in chronological order, but wouldn't it be effective if we could kind of like blend some of these major events? Cause they, they all kind of speak to each other. Well, we do it in order. Like so we're we're very trained to do things in order and it was very uncomfortable to step out of that. But when Marie says cohesive or cohesion seven times in the intro, she means it. This is I do being cohesive. And that's what kids crave. And if you are having issues in your class and things don't feel cohesive, it's probably because they're not cohesive. Right. Well, okay. And then on a complete flip side of this coin, the absolute terror that is, okay, I've got all of my curriculum planned. I have backwards planned this whole thing. And I know that on Friday, today's Thursday and tomorrow, we're going to have a Sesame Street quiz. And then it's Friday morning. I go, I never made the quiz. Right. Batch planning has helped me get away from that terrifying moment. It permeates your soul. That It really does. It really, it really does. Okay, so what is it? What's next? Let's talk about what that would look like, right? Like what a batch planning session, I guess, for like, let's talk about Sesame Street quizzes, right? Since that's where we kind of, our bread and butter lies. And then we have some really good tools that can help you with that. In fact, we should say right now, really quickly, a lot of the stuff we talk about here on this part of the podcast is like big picture, right? So it's like batch planning. Let's talk a little bit about what that looks like. If you are looking for more of a nitty gritty, maybe not nitty gritty, but like more of a step-by-step zoomed in look 
and you are not part of happy hour, that's where you're going to want to be. You're going to want to join us in happy hour because there's only so much time in the day. You only have so much time to be listening to any old podcast, right? But like happy hour members get not just a monthly resource, which might conceptually we talk on the podcast about whatever it is. Like early on in happy hour, we did one of our monthly resources was rubrics. And so on the main podcast, we might talk about rubrics, how we use them and why we use them. But then in happy hour, we're not just going to give you our rubrics, but we're going to walk through specifically how we created them and how we use them. So that translates here because we're going to talk about batch planning, kind of what it looks like. But if you want more specifics for these sorts of things, you're going to want to join us in happy hour. Um, Head to the show notes if you want more information on that. But I just kind of, I'm the person who has a million questions when I'm listening to something like this. And I want you to know where the questions lie (laughs) for all of our episodes when we're talking big concept. See if we've talked about it on happy hour and join us there because it's going to answer a lot of your questions for you. So one of the tools I created for happy hour teachers, we're going to describe here, you certainly could create your own, but we've created a template ready to go and completely filled out for you is a Google calendar template. So basically you can go in and import our calendar into your Google calendar. So that's pretty sweet. And in terms of batch planning, I have created on that calendar a weekly event for assigning a formative assessment. So it is non-negotiable on the calendar. And that to me is just so important because number one, we need to talk about real days and real time. When you're batch planning, you have to know, especially for Sesame Street quizzes, if you're doing these for reading and for a unit on a particular novel, you need to know how many actual assessment days you have, because that's where it starts. Like I know that I'm teaching uh, a raisin in the sun from February 16th through March 4th. I know that that is X number of Mondays, right? For me, the default is I like to do assessments on Monday. That's just my thing. So I have five Mondays. There are right? Three acts of the play. I really want to divide act one into two parts. I want to divide act two into two parts. Perfect. So I've got my five quizzes are going to be act one, part one, act one, part two, act two, part one, act two, part two, and act three. Those are my five quizzes. I just made five huge decisions by simply using my calendar. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's, I mean, we are oversimplifying it because like I said before, it's so easy to get caught in the weeds. It's so easy to be like, okay, I'm going to make all my quizzes now, like even batch planning. This is one of the, the pitfalls, possible pitfalls of batch planning is that you get so focused into the task that you're doing that you go, wait a minute, what am I doing this for? Wait a minute, what's happening? Right? What's my name? And so something like, what Amanda's talking about, the Google Calendar template, which is very simple and yet so nice when it's done for you because you can just go, oh, there we go. Boom, boom, boom. I've got five weeks. I've got five quizzes to make. Now I'm going to batch them. And then I'm going to link them into my calendar so that at any moment, if I forget where I put something, because I don't know about you guys, but sometimes Google Drive is a total butt to me and I can't find things. But if I link them places like my Google Calendar that I've got, I have definitely imported this Google Calendar, friends. So happy hour, friends. We all share the same template. It's just decision fatigue is real, especially for teachers. So let's just take some of the guesswork out of it. It's a reminder to look at the big picture, right? We talk about this all the time. 
when you're in the classroom, when you're going day to day to day to day, tomorrow can be the heaviest thing on your plate always. And I think a Google calendar and having potentially like not only just a month at a glance, but multiple months at a glance is not something your paper planner can really do for you. And so even if it's something simple like this, it's going to make your planning process, maybe not your day to day, but your planning process that much more effective and efficient because that's what you have more of is time. So that's where I would start, Marie, is I would start with real numbers. How many assessment days do I have that actually fit the time period that I have to do my unit? Because then once I know my formative assessment days, not only do I know what chunks, like I've chunked out the reading because of that, I then know like my pacing for the weeks leading into each of those quizzes. I know where I need to be. And if something comes up, I have to decide, am I going to break my formative assessment like consistency or am I going to like let go of that one symbolism lesson? You know, like it keeps you honest. (laughs) Yeah, well, it does. And it makes it so, again, you're not feeling that pressure of panic, like, oh, no, blah, blah, blah. It's, oh, no. Okay, now I can fix it. So that is one thing about batch planning is being able to see the big picture and Google calendars, like specifically our template, frankly, (laughs) as simple as it is, is a great way to help you see the big picture. When you get into batching things, another way that it can get a little bit difficult is in the organization of the things that you've batched. So like I started to say, when you're Google Drive, which is what I'm using and you're using, and I'm sure many of you out there are using, no matter how organized it is, you can still get a little lost in it. And sometimes when I'm searching for something, I don't remember what I called it, or I, it's just not coming up, right? Like for some reason, it's just not coming up, or it's frankly right in front of me, and I just don't see it. And so having a tool for organizing these things that's really, really user-friendly and everything is in one place is so key. And one of our favorite ways to do that is using Trello. If you are not familiar with Trello, it's called, it's T-R-E-L-L-O, Trello. It kind of looks a lot like a Jamboard, but like better. So much better. So much better. Like that's kind of the feel. I don't know. That's because you're like moving and manipulating things and you can like move stuff between different parts of your Trello boards. And there's a free version that we love. Yes. It can almost feel like Padlet too. It's got a little Padlet. Yes, yes. That's probably a better way for me to say it. Where Padlet is like really great for like student and even like, you know, staff meeting, like collaboration. Trello is phenomenal for your own organization and being able to yes. keep things and like it was, was that episode of Happy Hour where we were talking about air tagging our keys. It's like air tagging your assessments or whatever it is that you're batch planning. Yes. There it is for you. You keep it all in one place. Actually, I feel like maybe we should tell everybody about our Trello board templates. Yes. Yes. Okay. Do you want me to go over what they look like? Kind of. Yes. Yeah, right. Okay, so we've described the post-it, paddlety, you know, whatever. Here's what our layout currently, and you can do, there are so many different things you can do. But in the heart of batch planning and backwards planning, my Trello board, our Trello board is set up monthly. So the first column is like the brain dump of all the stuff that needs to get taught from gateway activities, yes. summative assessments, formative assessments. Like they're all little cards. You can think of them as like index cards. They remind me of index cards, post-its, and they're just kind of all schlepped together. 
then the, the rest of the columns are months. So January, February, March, April, May, June. So what I can do with my pile of stuff is drag and drop. I can drag and drop, drag and drop, drag and drop, drag and drop. So when we talk about batch planning Sesame Street quizzes, what I'd like to do is in the particular month. And if you'd prefer to do this instead of month by unit, you can also do that. Like you could change, totally. Totally. right? Like unit three, unit four, unit five, whatever. It doesn't, that doesn't really matter. Is that you could make a card for each formative assessment. So that way you can see in unit three, you have formative one, formative two, formative three, formative four, formative five. Right, which you got directly from your Google calendar. You can see how many cards you need to make. Again, we know that you're listening to this probably going, yeah, duh. But then when you sit down to do it, yes, the the tools really do like grease the wheels here. (laughs) So then once each of your cards are there, I then like to open up a card and I'm going to open up my text for whatever the page page range, whatever the yeah, range yeah, is yeah, yeah, for yeah, that yeah, yeah. particular assignment. And that's where I'm going to dump all of my ideas. So when I batch plan for Sesame Street, so let's talk about Sesame Street. Yeah, let's Street. get into actually what we're talking about here. Yes. <laughs> well, no, I mean, like if, if Sesame Street quizzes are really unique, right? Like you're, you're, what you're kind of mining for and a reason that I like batch planning is that you're in this mindset of very specific details and the ways in which those details come together. So I actually create in my Trello board, I have categories. So on a formative, a Sesame Street formative, I would brainstorm characters. I would like make a list of people, or I could call it people. I would make a list of themes. I would make a list of objects and I would make a list of other, just like other details, quotes, like things that come to mind as being really relevant. And then when I see my giant list of ideas, that's what I pull from to make the Sesame Street quiz. So it gives me a place to brainstorm so that if I needed to have different quizzes for different periods, or if I wanted to come back to it next year and change it up a little bit, or if I needed to create maybe an alternate assignment for a student who didn't do well on the first one, another version, like it's all there. So I brain dump ideas into the cards first. And so, and then I can actually like walk away, right? Like you can just, you can have that, let it sit there in Trello. And then when you're ready, you can actually build out the assignments, but you are looking right there at your Trello board, right there at your brainstorm of all of those items. And you are building from something rather than building from empty air or flipping through your book, like a crazy person, you can actually pull from a real place. Well, and Trello is, I mean, like other tools out there can be overwhelming. So you're kind of like, I feel like I already know how to use post-its. So I'm just going to use the post-its. But and I'm a post-it girl myself. But the pitfalls of that are that I lose the damn notebook where all the post-its are all the time. And you can't lose the internet. Uh, Me too. Me too. So we have happy hour members. You all have this as your one part of your February resource. February, we are really showing the love. Do you see what I did there? Do you see what I did there for our teacher friends? Because our happy hour members are getting our Google calendar template. They're getting our Trello board template as part of their pack, basically of happy hour resources, because we just know how hard this can be. And we were like, you know, why don't we just give this to the people and then it will make their lives easier. So like where Amanda's talking about making a card, instead of having to figure out how to make a board and how to make all these columns and do all, just take what we've done and change the headings. And there you go. Um, (laughs) It's yours. (laughs) Yes. And once it's batched, then 
the rest of your life can just get so much simpler because you plug and play. All right, everyone, this is going to be a quick intermission brought to you by me, Amanda, the creator of the Essential Question Adventure Pack. These adventure packs are designed for teachers who are looking to have support in teaching through inquiry. And I've created each of these packs to do the bulk of the work for you. And so in this segment, I wanted to answer and provide, I guess, the tip that people ask me about the most when it comes to teaching essential questions. Here's what I get all the time. How often do I need to refer back to the question, right? When and where and how often do I need to address the question directly within the context of a unit? And so my advice to you in any inquiry-driven unit is to really think about your EQ, like the physical question, in a couple of phases. There's a non-negotiable set of times, and then there are more optional times. The non-negotiable times, absolutely without fail, we must introduce the question at the beginning of the unit and get some kind of student response. This response could be in writing, it could be verbal, it could be in depth, it could be short, it could be a bullet point list, it could be a paragraph. The format is really up to you, depending on your time, depending on the growth you're anticipating, depending on the data you're looking to collect. But don't let that first week go by without actually having the students answer the question from the place that they stand at that moment. It's a really vital piece of our data as we're looking to see how students are growing in their complexity of thought. We have to know what the starting point was. So when you're getting started, you're going to do your gateway activities. You're going to introduce the essential question. Make space for kids to answer it. Like I said, there are tons of ways you can do it, but make sure that you make space for it. The other non-negotiable is the end of the unit. Again, This depends on your particular school, the rules, the regulations. I've worked at schools where I was instilling inquiry on top of what was required of me. Uh, Both schools that I worked at are mostly scripted curriculums. And so the inquiry that I was doing was on top of what was mandated for me. So sometimes I had room to create an inquiry-driven assessment, but not always. So sometimes I had to measure their growth on that EQ with a separate assignment, with a discussion, with a project, or something on top of what was already expected. If you are in the position where you're creating a lot of your own curriculum, this would be a perfect chance to try out one of the EQ packs because I've provided summative assessments driven by the EQ for you already in that packet. So everything is done for you and it's all written, all the prompts, all the rubrics, everything is set to go. The optional times for addressing the essential question would be as follows. One would be keeping it physically in the room whether that's a bulletin board, a section of your whiteboard, maybe in the hallway. Um, But I like to use anchor charts or other types of physical visual ways of having the EQ out and visible. And then kind of when we have extra time or when we're moving around, I'll have students 
discuss it just as an exit ticket or as an entrance slip or when we're finding ourselves with an extra odd eight minutes we'll look over to the wall and say and I'll have kids update their answers so where do you stand now uh, they can use post-it notes they can use dry erase markers they can use whatever they want you can do this digitally too and that's a really helpful tool the other optional, but highly recommended tool would be to be using an evidence tracker. An evidence tracker has the question at the heart of the tracker, and then the scale of yes, no, maybe so, however you're wording that question around the question. So students are checking in with the question regularly, they're providing and adding evidence to their responses. That's a great way to check in without feeling like you have to have it at some kind of strict time. And finally, I like to make sure that as often as possible, my essential question or a branch from that essential question is tied into formative reading assessments. So let's say my students are reading The Great Gatsby. They're going to do a Sesame Street quiz on the reading that they have completed, but then they're also going to answer a short answer question. I like to word that short answer question connected to the EQ. It's not going to be a question that's off the wall. Everything is connected. That's the cohesiveness that we're looking for, the threading that we're looking for with an inquiry-driven unit. Again, I went ahead and made 12 of these for you, and I'm pretty sure you'll be able to find one that really would help you at least get started. You don't need all 12, but maybe you need a couple to get you started on the path and kind of getting the feel for what these units could look like and where the EQ itself fits into the unit. I hope this was helpful. And now it's time to go back to the show. All right, friends. So back to batch planning and some of its special, like especially benefits. Not just will you have the peace of mind of having things done. Not just will you have the peace of mind of having them organized in your fancy Trello board that was, you know, created after your Google Calendar told you all of the things. At least this is how we do it, right? That's kind of why you're here. Then when the inevitable happens and you need to take a sub day or you need to all of a sudden there's this great in-service that you're able to go to. Sometimes sub days are really great. And sometimes they are sudden because your child wakes up with pink eye speaking from experience and you're like, ah, crap, I was going to be giving a quiz today. You don't have to scramble to find it. You don't have to scramble to do anything. Really. You can just, like I said before, plug and play. I like to use my sub plan template that I have where I can just like, it's on a Google slide. It's editable. I just copy and paste. I don't have to sit there and like redo things. I just share it either with my substitute or I share it with my partner teacher or all of the people basically. And having batched all of those things means I'm not scrambling to put together a sub plan. I am simply transferring what I already have onto my subplan template, which is, oddly enough, another thing <laughs> that we have in our happy hour resources this month. We really were looking forward at planning and facilitating planning, because that is one of the things that is super, super fun, but can also be extremely draining. So like, let's keep the fun parts, but then also like simplify and streamline some of the parts that can be a little bit more difficult, or you can get caught yeah, up and stuff where things can get forgotten. Um, and that's why we've got these resources that we were like, this is perfect for the month of February to show the love. Well, and it's a physical reminder of what I think we say all the time in the podcast. And that is not every lesson has to be new, right? We talk about templates all 
the time. And this is something I never learned from someone else. <laughs> you know, when I was, no. uh, when I was in yeah. the, in the thick of it. And I think that we're just trying to practice what we preach and like demonstrate it in a new way. Cause it's, it's really as hard to explain on audio all the time, what we mean. So we wanted to give you something that you could see. It's okay to have the same structural lesson plan every week. It's, it's okay. not just okay. It's actually it's, really good. We will link some of the different planning and template sorts of things that we've talked about in episodes on the podcast before in the show notes. Head there, head there so you can find out about Happy Hour because if you join in February, you can also, if you're not a member, you can also get these things because it's our February resource, February of 2024. But templates are really great for lots of reasons. And I think it really goes back to the claim statement that you made at the beginning of this episode, which is cohesiveness, right? Cohesiveness <laughs> is, now it's funny, um, but it really, I'm telling you, it is the number one thing that shifted my classroom community dynamic. When yeah. my curriculum, number one, when it finally started to feel like mine, that was a big shift. But then what that was, was that I understood what I was teaching, why I was teaching it. And then it had this arc. It had its own narrative. And that's what essential questions do this, right? Like, but essential questions can't just exist on their own. We have to use them and we have to use inquiry in a way that creates this cohesive learning experience for students, because that's where we see the ultimate engagement. And I know I just dropped like 40 buzzwords and I'm not trying to be buzzy. (laughs) And I'm not, but it's, I I mean, we've seen it and and Marie knows I get all serious because I like, I believe in this so deeply that a, a batch planned formatives mean that you've thought through the arc of student skills, what the content knowledge is that they're going to have. And you are, you are just ready to anticipate so much. Like we don't need to be, yes, we can be flexible and adaptable to students, but we don't need to be unarmed. We don't need to be just sitting there waiting for kids to have some kind of random reaction. Like I know that when you get to chapter seven of the great Gatsby, you are going to have questions about X, Y, and Z, and that I am going to need to focus on two rather than 14 different directions that these conversations can go. And so I have that under wraps, I'm able to make sure that that week's worth of lessons doesn't turn into four weeks because that's not good for anybody. And so it's just, it's, it comes back to cohesiveness and it comes back to students seeing that you understand the story of their school year, that you get it and that you're part of it. Yeah. You're really, we're all just storytellers, you know? I said it with less California in my voice. Ooh. (laughs) All right. Well, Amanda and I are going to go fight off (laughs) camera. No, just kidding. Sorry. I just blasted the microphone. Sorry. Uh, But yes, we hope that you all try batch planning. Let us know how it goes. Let us know what parts of, I said in the beginning of this episode that there are certain parts of my curriculum that I can't batch plan. Actually, there are certain parts of it that I have to leave open or I have to see what's happening day to day, such as remediation. I can't batch plan remediation. I have to see what needs to be remediated. But when my formative assessments and my summative assessments and all of the other parts I have batched together on at different planning sessions, I have room in my teeny tiny little baby brain for remediation. 
and to be able to react to what students need from me in that moment because I'm not thinking about what has to be done the next day. I'm actually able to be present and in the moment. Isn't that the truth? Like the two things in teaching that are absolutely finite are time and space in your brain. Like yes. you're just not going to get more of either ever. So you have like, something's got to give. Something's got to give. Yeah. <laughs> why you need templates from happy hour. Yeah, exactly. Join <laughs> us, please. The water's fine. There Our brains are getting a little bit more space incrementally and the water's fine. Uh, yes, friends, for all of the things we've talked about today and more, head to the show notes, braveneyteaching.com. If you are interested in joining us on Happy Hour, we really hope that you will. Uh, braveneyteaching.com slash happy hour. Yeah, we can't wait to see you there. It's very fun. And, uh, you know, one way or the other, we're going to see you next week for Brave New Teaching because this is what we'll we do here. and we <laughs> love it. Yes. Have a wonderful week at school, friends. We hope that you are able to batch at least the next month's worth of things and see if that alleviates a little bit for you and let us know how it goes. So, yeah. Have a great week at school and we will see you next time. Thanks again for listening to Brave New Teaching. We'd love to keep the conversation going over on Instagram. And while you're there, check out the links in our bio for the most up-to-date events going on in the Brave New Teaching community. Thanks for being here and have a great week at school.